We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. No one is going to listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends at Manscaped and Untuck It. I'll tell you a little bit more about them later in the show. We have just wrapped up week nine. Week nine is in the books, only a few weeks away till the fantasy playoffs. And today I am joined by my good friend, Dan Senyo. Hi, Nathan. Hi. I, it's it's you know, it's going. We're we're uh, almost through this week as we record per usual. We've got Monday Night Football about to start and we've got mostly positive news. I feel like we a lot a lot of times have beat the drum on the, the Browns wagon and we've kind of moved away from that. And we've got a lot of new topics this week. We do have new topics, but actually, I think our first topic we talked about last week. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, so we got that going for us. But before we get into the show, I want to let you guys know about the Rotoviz Patreon. Rotoviz Patreon is rolling as we head towards the fantasy playoffs. Gain exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack, where you can access questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Get ready for the playoffs. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow, to continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Patreon.com/slash Rotoviz. 
Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself 10% off of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Get ready for that playoff push and make sure you have all your access to the NFL content and tools that we provide. So you get amazing value and support for the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. And one thing to circle back to the Patreon we do have a bit of a giveaway going on. Uh, the Rotovis Patreon is now at, I believe, 44 subscribers. And the 50th subscriber to the Rotovis Patreon will get, I think it's two years free of Rotovis. So, yeah, if you want to get a shot of possibly being the 50th patron, uh, get 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 involved on Rotovis. I mean, patreon.com slash Rotovis Radio. There you go. All right, let's get into the show today. And for that, we have we talked about last Monday, Kenyon Drake was dealed from or dealt from the Miami <laughs> Dolphins uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, and it was kind of we were unaware of the the health of the Cardinals running back to Chase Edmonds and David Johnson. And of course, there was the discussion of you know how much will Kenyon Drake be involved when David Johnson's healthy. Well, we didn't answer that question in week in week one of the Kenyon Drake Cardinal era. Uh, both Johnson and Edmonds were out, so it was the Kenyon Drake show. And he, you know, I, I compared the situations to Lamar Miller uh, when Lamar Miller left Miami, where he was you know kind of set free. And it appears Kenyon Drake was bottled up and you know you know trapped in Miami, and he was set free with Arizona and the Cliff Kingsbury offense. So my my view of it is that I still think it's going to be a bit of a mess from, you know, once David Johnson's healthy, but clearly uh, he is much more comfortable and a better playmaker in the Arizona offense than he was in Miami. Well, yeah, anyone's going to be better going from, from Miami to Arizona, but I do think that Kenyon Drake got a kind of a bad rap while in Miami. I feel like he's definitely more capable than he was given credit for. Uh, obviously, we didn't really get to see much from him, whether it be from the Gase version of that offense or the Chad O'Shea version of that offense. So we see them come out and, and has a really nice game against what's kind of being propped up as one of the better defenses in the NFL. So going for over 100 and, and uh, 50 receiving yards is nice, plus he throws a net touchdown. So I, I feel like that's that's probably closer to the ceiling rather than the floor. I do still think he's probably in that 65, 75, 80 yard range for a floor, assuming the other running backs aren't playing or aren't healthy. And then I think once we see David Johnson come back, it, it moves more into a probably just a 60, 40 share because I do think that they like Kenyon Drake. I think they went and got him for a reason. But uh, as far as beyond 2019, I'm not sure we see him really get paid because of the incoming class and, and because of the other potential free agents. It's It could be an interesting one where he might have to sign for less just to find himself a role somewhere. So I, I still think he's nice to have down the stretch this year, but his, his long-term value I struggle with just because it's kind of a, a, a tough road. Yeah, I've seen some speculation, but it's mostly just fantasy Twitter speculation that maybe if Kenyon Drake does play as well as he did last week through the rest of the season, that David Johnson could become a cap casualty. You know, just Cliff Kingsbury deciding he doesn't want to pay a running back that much. And even if Kenyon Drake shows out the rest of the year, he's not going to get a David Johnson type contract. So, you know, I, I think it's within the range of outcomes, but is certainly one of the smaller you know, likelihood that David Johnson's a cap casualty. So I, I, I think that Drake... 
whether it's Arizona or elsewhere is better than Miami. But I think that this is kind of an audition and it's a good place to, to audition for his next destination. All right, let's move on to another NFC West team. And I mentioned this before the show that first I was going to talk about Russell Wilson. Then I was like, nope, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. Then I said, nope, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. And I was like, no, they traded or they uh, they signed Josh Gordon off waiver. So we're making this the Seahawks offense uh, version of the show. I, I will start off with what I do think is the you know most important part of this offense, and it's Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. I, I mentioned Cooper Cup, you know, kind of sneaking up into the first round of startups. I think that that Tyler Lockett is sneakily, you know, entering into like the Antonio Brown type arc arc of a career uh, where he's, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, we've known this for the last two, three years that he basically has like the best quarterback uh, rating passed to him. Uh, It's a combination of having Russell Wilson and him being that efficient. But for me, I I think that, you know, if you if. If people are having uh, Tyler Lockett in that third, fourth round, I think that's certainly undervaluing him right now. I think that he is proving to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL uh, this season. Most definitely, and and he's in his prime at the time, and and obviously Russell is has forever been efficient, and and I mean it'd be hard to call him anything but elite. So I think Lockett has a really really nice floor built in. Obviously, them adding DK Metcalf gives him a, a supporting character in that offense to to kind of help him. And then they go and get Josh Gordon. So if anything, all of this is going to help Russell Wilson. But obviously, Russell Wilson isn't really known for throwing a lot. He's more known for throwing a little and being very efficient at it. So I don't think we really see much change within the offense. I think having Josh Gordon more makes up for the missing tight end role. I feel like we we get to see him play the big slot a little bit more. And, and rolling him out from there where I think he can really excel because I don't quite think that he has the burst that he had at one time. And I think that just makes a lot more sense for the offense where where they're really missing Will Disley. And obviously it's a, it's a team that leans on the run quite a bit as well. We've seen Chris Carson be relatively successful and, and you know, in short spurts, we were seeing Rashad Penny being somewhat useful, but not really that first round draft capital where, you know, we haven't seen that quite yet. So I think all in all, the offense is, is kind of a, a really, really high floor. And like you mentioned with Tyler Lockett, I, I think he absolutely belongs in that second round of startups. And I'm not, I don't know that I, I would have a real argument against putting him as a wide receiver one in, in fantasy. I mean, that's, he's been so good. Yeah, he's been so good, and it, obviously it's a benefit to be connected to a passer like him. And I don't think the Seahawks are letting him go anywhere. I'm not, not sure of his contract situation. He might have signed an extension recently. Uh, but with uh, DK Metcalf, Josh Gordon, many people thought you know that the the worry of bringing Josh Gordon in would be hurting the snaps, hurting the development of DK Metcalf. Uh, obviously, Gordon didn't play this week, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I think that Metcalf showed enough this week that – the Seahawks are going to have a hard time t- uh, taking him off the field for snaps. So I think that they're going to do some three wide receiver sets, take off take off the second tight end in some of the sets and have Luke Wilson, obviously. But, yeah, I, I think that the main takeaway from the Gordon acquisition is that he is just a guy at this point. And until proven otherwise, I think he's, you know, a, he's a very good NFL wide receiver three. And if he ends up being more than that, great for Russell Wilson, more of a mess for Metcalf and Gordon. But I'm not downgrading Metcalf too much, certainly not long-term at all, but not really that much short-term. I, I, I still think that 
if you're you're only starting two wide receivers in this offense on a weekly basis, and it's Metcalf and, and Lockett. Most definitely. And going back to your your contract statement, he is in the first year of his new contract that goes through twenty twenty or through twenty twenty one. So he's got nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. He's locked up. And then twenty two, he would technically become a free agent if they didn't bring him back. But yeah, going back to the DK stuff, I, I don't. You know, he he doesn't really have that that crazy volume to begin with. So I I don't really see anything changing. Uh, I think they get Josh Gordon a little bit more involved, you know, as he comes along, probably two, three, four weeks out before we really see him, you know, picking up the offense and and taking a target share. But we we haven't seen DK Metcalf pull a real big target share in the offense. The only time they've done it is is when Russell's had to throw a lot. And this week against Tampa, when it was just a, a you know, a barn burner going back and forth, he had nine targets. And then week seven against Baltimore, he had nine targets. And, and those are his only two even, you know, moderately high target numbers. So I still think DK Metcalf goes really, you know, untouched. I think if anything, some of the higher target games will, will kind of move down a little bit for Lockett. But again, because of the efficiency, I don't think anything changes for Tyler Lockett. I don't think things change for DK Metcalf, and I still think the running game is a really nice spot. All right, going from one bird team in the Seahawks to the other bird team on the other coast, and that's the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. They had their first big test of the season as the Patriots came to town, uh, Ed Breed retirement uh, ceremony or whatever. So the Patriots uh, didn't play like they've played against all the other bad teams. They they played not as well, and Lamar Jackson kind of tore them up, you know, played much better than the bad quarterbacks. How are you feeling about Lamar right now? You think he's a top three dynasty quarterback? Where, where are you having him right now? He is a top three dynasty quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, I do have him at that three spot behind Watson and Mahomes. And I think, I, I don't want to say it's surprising that he's become as good of a quarterback as he is. I think we all, like John Proctor said on Twitter, we I think we all knew that he was going to be a really good fantasy asset. But I don't think we all saw him becoming a good quarterback this early on. And he's been efficient. He, you know, he's obviously he's not Drew Brees. He's not Peyton Manning. He's he's not a pocket quarterback, but he can make all of those throws. And the first, you know, four or five weeks, we we kind of saw him do that. And then this week against New England, he was very efficient and obviously not throwing for huge numbers. But you don't need to when your rushing floor is like 60 yards. So. I, it's hard to look past the rushing floor for as, as far as his, his ranking and his value because that is, I mean, that's six free points and most likely a touchdown. So you're you're basically talking about 12 free points week in and week out, not even including his, his passing attack. So um, I think we'll see him continue to improve as a passer. Obviously, they don't have the best targets in the – um, in the offense, and they run a lot of that three tight end set, whether they're running options or, or you know, naked boots or whatever they're running. They've got all sorts of that different stuff. So I just I, I see I see the offense continuing to blossom, and and honestly, Lamar Jackson's been really good so far, and it's yeah, he's he's solid. He's definitely in that top tier. 
Yeah, and I do think that he's only going to get better as the young weapons evolve, uh, evolve around him. Marquise Brown's going to become a better, you know, route runner, a better NFL player. Miles Boykin is going to get involved. You know, Willie Sneed's not going to be his wide receiver one forever. So I, I think things are only going to get better for Lamar. I, I do think, obviously, the one worry that everybody has is the injuries with, with a running quarterback. But I, I think that, you know, you, you take the good and the bad. You, you take the good, you take the six free points every week, and you take the bad of he might miss two or three games a year. And with that, if it's a super flex league, like always roster is backup, whether it's Robert Griffin, the third, whoever it ends up being in future years. So I, I think I'm, I'm finally turning around on this. Obviously I, I've, I've liked Baker a lot and I've liked Arnold a lot, but I think that at this stage, Lamar is just playing better football. Obviously he's playing better football than Darnold. Um, and I, I think he's, he, he's playing better NFL football and he's got the rushing floor. So I, I think that he is in that QB three slot for now, but I do think, Baker does have a shot in the second half of the season to, to reclaim that spot. Yeah. I think if the Browns move on from, from kitchens or at least rel- he relinquishes the play calling duties, I think we see Baker make a, a nice comeback. Obviously we're not talking about Baker right now, but um, it's not we're always due for some Browns talk. So uh, before you hop into the next portion, let's hear a quick word about our lovely sponsors, Manscaped and Untuck It. All right, gentlemen, listen up, because if you're like me, you've probably run into a manscaping issue here or there, maybe a cut, or maybe you took a little bit too much off the top, if you know what I mean. Thankfully, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has a proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or cut or snag your man parts. Thankfully, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use that same trimmer that you use on your face as you use on your balls because that's disgusting. We don't need to be doing that. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why would not you put deodorant on the other smelliest parts of your body? Seems pretty simple. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLUEWIRE. The holidays are almost here and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give than a stylish shirt that fits just right. And unlike most brands, our friends here at Untucked Shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall to just the right length, no matter the size, because have you ever actually seen somebody walking around with an untucked button-down? They look horrible. Why, you ask? Well, because they weren't actually designed to be made that way. Thankfully, there's Untucked, the original button-down shirt that actually is designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. Now, if you're like me, you've probably gone out to the store and, and even while shopping, struggle to find shirts that fit right or look decent untucked. And that's just not the case here with Untuck It. They've got all sorts of combinations and fits, whether tall, short, slim, thick, whatever you've got. They've got the colors, they've got the customization and everything that you could possibly want. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, some of my favorites, and the outerwear. They have really nice coats, all sorts of stuff. So with Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, or too long, or too big. 
because there's nothing worse than just looking out of place. And their website is easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use blue for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code blue for 20% off. Okay, now we are going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback situation. They are heading into the bye week after a game in London. Gardner Minshew had probably the worst game of his career uh, against the Houston Texans. And so now the question is, Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles returning to the quarterback position for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The AFC is a very terrible, no good conference. It's basically just the Patriots and the Ravens at this point. And the Chiefs, I guess, once once Mahomes comes back. But basically my point is that the wild card race is kind of wide open. And the Jaguars are still in the race for that sixth spot. And so they do have a quote-unquote important decision to make if they want to try and make the playoffs. And I do think that in, in the grand scheme of things, I think they're going to end up going back to Foles. And for a couple of reasons. Because... Minshew has looked bad, and, and I think it's two of the last three games he's looked like, you know, at, at risk of not being a quote-unquote franchise quarterback. So this is what they do. They'll go back to Nick Foles for the rest of the season, and then basically oh, the, you have the entire offseason to A, cut slash trade Foles, and also kind of say, oh, remember the good times of Minshew. He's now our franchise quarterback, and then you have the entire offseason to prep him as being your franchise quarterback. Whereas if you kept him as the starter now in week 10, week 10, week 11, if he continues to play as bad as he did in London, then you're looking at reinvesting at the quarterback position. You're looking at, you know, a guy that you th- thought was your franchise quarterback for a short period of time. And now you have solidified that he's not in the latter half of the season. Now, you might think that's the, you know, safe way of looking at things. But I think that more often than not, that's the way the NFL teams look. Do you agree with that assessment? Mm, I'm going to say not necessarily and or no. His his couple of bad games have come against really good passing defenses. We're looking at, what, like week two versus Houston and the current week versus Houston. So obviously Houston's one of the top pass def, um, defense teams. And then New Orleans, who, I mean, they shut down your top player basically every single time. So I think him being a rookie and, and still kind of getting acquainted to the offense, those are games that I'm fine with him not looking very good in, even though he, he still, I mean, he wasn't bad. He, he did throw a couple no, of picks. He, no, he, he was bad in London. See, I don't, I, I mean, he still put up the, he put up the numbers. I, I don't think, I think he gets his one. That was his, by far his worst game. And I still don't think he was, he was awful and it was London. So I think we still see him come back in week 11 um, against Indy, and it very well could be that they go with Foles, but I think they learned very quickly with them having to play the Colts and the Titans back-to-back weeks that Foles isn't the guy, and then I honestly think they go back to Minshew with, with Tampa in Week 13 because I don't think Foles gets through Indy and Tennessee the way that Minshew would. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I do think that Minshew's the better quarterback, and I think that if it was my team, I would run with, with Minshew being the, the, the starter, but I do think just the way, you know... I think that if you were rolling with Minshew, you wouldn't say, I'm making my decision in a week. You would say, Gardner Minshew's our quarterback. Nick Foles is going to be a great backup for us, which they didn't say that. They said, hey, we'll make our decision next week. Yeah, and and as far as future goes, I, I think 
I think you've got to have Minshew in that probably back half of the QB2 area, like maybe between 19 and 22-ish right in there. He does have a a decent rushing floor, which I was kind of surprised by. I mean, his, his rushing floor is basically like 30 yards. He did get spied a few games, whether it was New Orleans or Denver. Those teams kind of locked him up as for in the on the ground, but he was able to kind of get away and, and run a little bit, which is nice. Plus, when you have Leonard Fournette, that makes it a little bit easier for you to scramble and, and get away. So, I think I, I think we can can buy really nicely if Foles does in fact take over, and then I, I think you can kind of get Minshew at a at a nice discount because it'll probably look like the plan is to stick with Foles, but when they realize Nick Foles is Nick Foles. He'll lose his job and Minshew will get it back. So you can look at 2020 and beyond as him being a, a nice QB too. Yeah, I will say that regardless of their quarterback decision, I would give a late first for Minshew right now. And I, I think that you might not have to give that. If they go back to Foles, you can probably do an early second and an early third or something along those lines. It's a little bit cheaper than a late first. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we had a pair of breakout performances, one of one of which unfortunately ended on the IR. Mike Gusecki and Preston Williams both had huge games. Preston Williams, two touchdowns. Mike Gusecki, one touchdown. And I, I talked about this on uh, the podcast with Hassan Rahim yesterday. Uh, make sure to check that out on Monday mornings. That the fact that this offense has looked so good with Ryan Fitzpatrick is getting me more and more worried about Josh Rosen. You know, you tried to blame the offense for why Josh Rosen was so bad in Miami in his couple of games, but Fitzpatrick's doing just fine with it. And he's making Preston Williams and Gusecki look good. So I, I do think that this is bad for Preston Williams. I think that, you know, guys that have low draft capital who get injured early in their careers have a very low success rate even after showing flashes like Williams has. So if I could get a second round pick for Williams, I'm I'd happily do that right now. I do think the more intriguing option here is Mike Gusecki. People kind of bailed on him very early because he had a very bad on tape rookie year. But the the thing is that with rookie tight ends, no one's really ever expecting production, but they are expecting them to look competent. And Gusecki didn't look that in year one. He's starting to look competent in year two and the production's coming along with it. So I, I do think that we are a year away from Gesecki being an every week starter, but at least he's showing enough that, hey, this guy's an actual NFL player. Yeah, I think Gesecki is is obviously with his athletic abilities, he's kind of had to learn football a little bit more than just being fast or, or being able to, you know, do the more athletics portions of the game. So I do think Gesecki is at this point in time probably still a, a tight end too in a horrendous box of of a position and I think Preston Williams I think he sticks I think they've found someone that they like whether it's Fitzpatrick throwing the ball or a good quarterback throwing the ball in the future I think I think they gambled on Preston and and I think the the talent was always there with him it was more more than not football things with Preston Williams so I'm I'm hanging on to him unless I'm getting you know a, a late first or something Late first? Yeah, I'm not trading him for any second right now. He's good. He's 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 Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon. He's he's that guy with all of the off-field issues too. Um, um, but I think one of the more intriguing guys who we kind of all wrote off, including myself, and I was never really a big fan to begin with, Devontae Parker's been pretty good this year. He's had at least 50 yards or a touchdown in every game except for when they played New England. And 
Yeah, that's a weird one because I feel like you can get him for really, really cheap, and he's an every week starter. Yeah, he's wide receiver 36 right now, so he's a top three wide receiver, which is crazy. Who th- uh, thought we'd be saying that right now? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still kind of doubt the long-term upside of Parker, but if you can get him for a third or like a third and a fourth, that's a fine thing to give away for a guy who's going to get volume, especially with Preston Williams out. Parker's going to get a lot of volume towards the end of the year, so I do think that he is a decent you know, play to, uh, for the rest of the year. And then... If he, let's say, he ends up finishing as, like, the wide receiver 28, then I think it's time to sell for, you know, try and get, like, an early second or something like that. Definitely. I mean, if you can get if you can get a mid-second, I'd, I'd probably move on Parker. But buying for a third, I absolutely love. Or maybe, um, you know, a, a second for Parker and a third or something like that. It, I like those types of moves. Next, we are going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. Ronald Jones, uh, quote unquote, named the starter by Bruce Arians, basically saying that he's earned the job, that uh, Peyton Barber has not lost the job. I'm still not really convinced that Ronald Jones is that good. Uh, I, I think that he's he's a product of being in an offense that has no no good running backs and is a high 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 potent offense. A, offense that's putting up lots of points with Jameis Winston and Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator. So I, I think Ronald Jones is good this year, uh, but I do doubt the long-term upside because I don't think he's very – as someone who watches all, most of Bucks games, I'm never like – I don't see the ball in Ronald Jones' hands and see him making plays, like making defenders miss or breaking off a long play. I, I just – you know, he just doesn't seem like a playmaker. He just seems like a running back. <laughs> all right, Mr. Draft Capital himself. Ronald Jones is a second-round pick, which I know you know. And through the first four weeks of the season, he was really good. And for those of you into the the PFF rankings and grades, he was very, very highly touted. I think he was like a top five or six running back through the first month of the season. And and that goes a long way. He he kind of struggled through with some some injuries and, and whatnot. And obviously Peyton Barber had a kind of a stranglehold on that offense. But this week again, we see him back in the in the double figure touches, which is a, a big step forward. And them naming him officially the starter, I think, goes a long way. I think I think it's been a long road coming. Obviously, 2018 was abysmal, and I think he just kind of had to have to write that one off as he was learning and figuring out the NFL, and obviously not healthy. But coming into 2019, he started out with a bang, and he continues to play very well, assuming his health continues. And I do think he has long-term value, as long as Arians is around and in that offense, and that offense keeps... Evans and Godwin, which might be tough because Godwin will be up for a contract here in the next couple of years. It's an explosive offense, whether it's Jameis behind that behind there or or they go and find themselves a new quarterback. I do think he's got some nice value for the future. I wouldn't put him up probably even in the the top 20 running backs really at any point. But I think once it starts to get murky around that spot, that that low end RB2. I think you can really have him in the conversation. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's been good basically all year when he's been healthy. So I, I think we see big things coming from Ronald Jones in the future. All right, let me let me rapid fire some names. Tevin Coleman or Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones. Chris Carson or Ronald Jones? I hate Chris Carson, Ronald Jones. Sony Michelle or Ronald Jones? I know your answer here. Ronald Jones, never, hashtag never Sony. So Dan loves himself some Ronald Jones because uh, I think I would 
take the other side of all of those. Maybe not Chris Carson, but for sure the other two. All right, let's move on to Devin Singletary. I guess we'll we'll close it out with Devin Singletary or Ronald Jones. Mm, Devin Singletary. All right, Devin Singletary had his breakout game uh, this week against Washington, and I think that uh, Buffalo and every other NFL team that decides to employ Frank Gore continues to give him the football probably more than he should, you know, in his quest to somehow catch Emmett Smith in like six years. But I, I do think that as the season goes on, the the split will, you know, be more in favor of Devin Singletary. But I think it will still be a bit frustrating with, you know, seeing Frank Gore get carries that he probably shouldn't. But I think that obviously in 2020 is, is where I see Singletary more being like a top 15, top 18 type running back. But I do think it's a little bit of a wait because they're giving unnecessary carries to Frank Gore. Yeah, I think I think in the back half of the season we see Frank Gore more as as the guy spelling Devin Singletary. I think we'll see him get more consistent touches and and there was probably a lot of people that didn't really know much about Devin Singletary or really even know much about him at this point. He was an absolute monster in college. Yes, he played in Conference USA, but that doesn't necessarily mean no, the American anything. Conference. Isn't it Conference USA? No, it's the American Conference. FAU isn't Conference USA? It's the American Conference. All right. I don't believe you. Pretty conference sure USA. Right. No, it's Conference USA. Oh, I We're arguing right. on the <laughs> podcast right now. You're wrong. I'm right. Okay. 67 total touchdowns in college, whether it's Conference USA, American Conference, or the SEC. That is absolutely fantastic. You don't just come across those numbers any day of the week. He has been very good this year when healthy and when given looks, which hasn't been often for either of those. Week one, we did get to see him kind of just randomly blow up. Obviously, only had a few touches, but he had almost 100 yards, if I recall correctly. And then this week, obviously, with the 95 yards on the ground and an extra 45 through the air with the touchdown, I think we see what Devin Singletary can do. Obviously, that's against Washington, so it's tough to put too much up on the board for him. But I do think that Devin Singletary can be a very productive running back, especially with a running quarterback like Josh Allen in an offense that doesn't really throw the ball a ton, nor should they. It, it's, it feels like a great spot for Singletary. And I do think that, that he can legitimately be a, a high-end RB2. I think he's a low-end RB2 for the rest of the season. But I think he's got, I think he's got some moves to make. Yep, I agree with that. Another guy who was making moves this past weekend, Noah Fant for the Devin Broncos. Obviously, they got rid of Emmanuel Sanders, which does open up a bit of a target share with basically they have Cortland Sutton and nothing else. Deshaun Hamilton, who I thought would get some run, has not done anything in the two weeks since the Sanders deal. So Noah Fant looks like the number two in the Denver offense, but he did only get four targets. I think it was three catches for 125 yards, including a 75-yard touchdown. I think that this is promising for Fant just in terms of like, you know, it's good to see, you know, a huge game from a rookie tight end. But I don't think this is uh, any sort of sign that he's going to be any sort of consistent week to week. I think we're at least a year away from that. I think that if someone's willing to pay like he's producing now, go ahead and trade him. But I, I still think that's happening. I actually think you might still be able to buy him at this point because of the big production isn't quite there. And if you follow me on Twitter and you've seen my thread the last few weeks, fans been a buy because of the people get sick of rookie tight ends not producing and they, you know, they draft them in hopes that they produce, they become Rob Gronkowski, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, uh, Fant's been there, and, and his his target floor has been somewhat decent. It's usually about four or five targets every single week. Uh, and obviously this week he broke one loose, and you got to see the type of athlete that he is. He made that defense look silly. Obviously, it's Cleveland, but still, he, he ran through a couple defenders and ran by a few more. So I think Fant, very comfortably, a, probably a low-end tight end one with all of the potential to get up into that that top four or five range in, you know, in the calendar year. Fant or Waller? Uh, I probably take Fant just because of the age difference. Waller's sort of old. Yeah. I mean, I, I take Fant just because I think that he has the higher floor and the higher ceiling, but Waller obviously has the production going on right now, but I do think that he's going to become like a de facto wide receiver, unless they end up drafting a, a second wide receiver high. I think it's going to be the Sutton and Fant show long-term there uh, with Drew Lockett quarterback. I think what they'll probably end up doing is, is get more of a speed threat opposite Cortland Sutton and, and play Fant in that speed slot role where I think a lot of people maybe thought that Deshaun Hamilton was going to, going to like move outside or something, but he's an okay guy. I, I just don't, I don't see him taking away targets or snaps from Fant, even if Fant's not going to be out there blocking and only playing slot receiver, whatever it happens to be. I, I think Fant and Sutton are the future of that offense. And I think maybe they just get a speedster to take the top off the offense. I agree with that. Uh, so while we're talking to end, I, I do want to end the show with a public service announcement to all NFL defenders. Stop hitting TJ Hawkinson in the head. <laughs> he's been hit in the head 87,000 times, and he's had eight career games. Have you noticed this, Dan? TJ Hawkinson gets hit in the head every single game. The one was his fault because he tried to hurdle, and he did like a triple flip and then landed on his head. So uh, <laughs> I think it's a little bit his fault for the position that he plays, but yes, knowing everyone's gone Greg Williams on the bit. We know he's got like nine concussions in, in 10 games or whatever the hell it is. Just leave the guy alone, hit him low, break his ankle or something. We, we don't need any more concussions. There we go. All right. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. Uh, tell us how awesome we are. Tell Dan how awesome his mustache is, even though you can't see it. It's Movember as the kids say. Dan, are you doing a, any sort of like fundraiser for the kids for that, or or what's up with that? Because I, I know some people do that. Uh no, but I probably should. There you go. So, start, start throwing money at Dan's favorite charity, probably Fantasy Cares. Fantasy <laughs> Cares, that's right. I'll keep the mustache going as long as you donate. There you go. Uh, three dollars. All right. <laughs> that's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have anything you like for us to talk about in future weeks, throw it at us because we're always willing to talk. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.